about today we'll be talking about um, knowledge of God I titled the message of today in the hand of the angry God in the hand of the angry God power and then in brackets vessel of honor and vessel of dishonor vessel of honor and vessel of dishonor I don't know whether you remember how we got this far we got this far when God opened our eyes to the fact that though we claim to know him we do not know him and then we were led to see the relationship that men people like Moses and Paul had with God and yet those two people said they want to know God despite their revelation that God gave to them and then this is part five we've gone part through part one part two part three this is part five and if I will recall last Sunday we were talking about the sovereignty of God and we look at mercy we look at the case of Ahab and David how David received mercy and how God withdrew mercy from King Saul and then we look at the case of Jacob and Esau born of the same parents how God said I love Jacob and I hate Esau and we wondered how and why this situation will be so in view of the fact that God is the one who created both and they were born of the same parents so the Lord took us to Romans chapter 9 if you remember and we read as far as verse 22 from verse 9 to verse 26 today by the special grace of God I alluded to you we'll be talking about the power of God the hand in the hand of the angry God now something strange happens first of all let us look at second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 to 21 and I will be reading quite some scriptures 
Since this is a series, I'm not in a hurry at all. The Bible says, in a wedding home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some utensils are made of gold and silver, but some of wood and an earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday's use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master's use for everyday good work. Now, you remember our sisters, those days, they will have a cupboard. I don't know whether they, they, they will call it cupboard. Wardrobe. So, cupboard is a local. All right. You call, wardrobe is where you put your cloth. I'm not talking about where you put your cloth. Huh? The one where you put those plates and you display them. You call it cabinet now, in better language. Now, you call it cabinet now. Those days, old school call it cupboard. But cabinet now. You display them in your sitting room or in your dining. The plates that are in those cabinets are not for everyday use. Only when you have special guests. Am I right or wrong? You bring them out. You display them. And even the children, you tell them, if you break any of these, it's in trouble. So you keep them very well. After the use on that day, you don't return them to the kitchen for everyday use. Why do you return them? You keep them back again to the, word, to the cabinet. If what I'm saying is right, can I hear your amen? amen. So those special places are called places of honor. They are very special. Very special. There are some other ones that are regularly in the kitchen. They are themselves asking you to change them, but you refuse to change them. You use them, and they are just there. You keep on using them. And so, they are there. After you are tired of those ones that you use regularly, two things can happen. It's either you dash them out, or you go and trash them. Am I right or wrong? Even if any of them breaks, you don't shed tears over them because they are not so special to you. Am I correct? Very well. God said that in a great house like here, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. When God was speaking, God said, Who art thou, O man, to answer God back? Whether he created some people vessel of honor or vessel of dishonor. 
And God said, as God, can't I create what I create the way I like to create them? I want you to listen to me very carefully today because the prayer I'm going to pray has to do with what I'm telling you at the end of it. And I'm very certain that I'm not going to go very far with this. So God has that power. Can I have Isaiah chapter 45? Let me see who God is. Who is God? Isaiah chapter 45. I will come back to this man called Cyrus in a moment. If I can't get to his cakes today, we'll get to it maybe next Sunday. But let's begin. Cyrus. Cyrus, as at the time God spoke about this man, thus said the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I have holding to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two lived gates, and the gates shall not be shut. This is prophecy. No. You go to verse 8 for me. First of all, go to verse 13. Verse 13 of this. Verse 13. Let me link verse 13 to verse 1. Cyrus. Cyrus was the Pasha king. Pasha. Pasha and Babylonian kings were those ruling in those days. And they were instruments of oppression over Israel. They were used as weapons, particularly Babylon, to capture Israel. And to bring Israel to captivity and bondage because of the disobedience of Israel to God. And God said, I will punish them. And a nation that is greater will come and capture them and take them to a land of slavery where they will be in bondage. And if anybody does not submit to Nebuchadnezzar, God said, they will pay for it with their life, whosoever remain in Jerusalem. So, God was going to punish them and they were to be in that land of bondage for a defined period. If you remember the book of Daniel, when Daniel was asking God, why are we in bondage? And he went to ask God. God said it's for 70 weeks. For seven weeks. Seven weeks was 70 years, which they were to be in the land of bondage. Cyrus, in verse 13, God said, as at the time when you read verse 1 of Isaiah 45, Cyrus was still in heaven. When prophecy about his birth was already spoken on here on earth, as at the time Isaiah 45 verse 1 was written, Cyrus was not yet even conceived in the womb.
now said, I have raised him up in righteousness and I will direct his ways. He shall build my city and he shall let go my captives for a for he shall let go my captives for not price nor reward, said the Lord of hosts. Cyrus is listed in my discussion with you as number three. But because I am coming through Isaiah 41, but I want to give you a prelude. Who is Cyrus? Cyrus was a great commander of Persian army. Conceived by heaven in years to come to be the one who will redeem the nation of Israel back to their land. So as at the time Isaiah, Jeremiah were talking about Cyrus, he was still in heaven. God already also has given a name about him. When you read extra chapter 1 from chapter 1 to chapter 6 of the book of extra, but let's look at extra chapter 1. Extra chapter 1. I will read from verse 1 to 4. Now, before you get to extra chapter 1, what did God do? God said, I raised him up so that he may be the one to deliver my people. Babylon was a very powerful kingdom. Babylon was so powerful. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? When God was describing the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, he said it's like a tree where you have bears and it has branches and bears come there to take a refuge. Because of the elaborate kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar had, if you remember Nebuchadnezzar very well, in Daniel chapter 4, if you remember his story, Nebuchadnezzar was in his palace one day when he looked at everything and said, Ah, uh ah, -uh, by my power, I have gotten all of this. He has forgotten that God was the one who was using him to punish Israel. For their disobedience. So he suddenly became so bloated. And he said it is by me. That all these are acquired. And God looked down from him and said. Ah, ah, have you forgotten there is a God in heaven. But your kingdom will depart from you today. I am not focusing this discussion on Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was an instrument. Or a vessel of destruction. But I am not talking about him now. So, after Nebuchadnezzar's death, somebody took over from him. And the kingdom continued. The children of Israel remained in bondage. And suddenly, God now spoke and said, somebody will be born. There was no kingdom that could overcome Babylon. Because Babylon was very powerful. God needed to raise up another nation that can conquer Babylon for Babylon to be under another country, for the nation of Israel to be released from captivity. So in 538 BC, before Christ, 
Cyrus has been born. And then, when he assumed the position of king, Cyrus made a proclamation, a decree, because he was a military commander. And that decree, you know, is not an elected government. We call it an edit or a decree, a, promo, a promulgation. So he made a promulgation that all foreigners, including the nation of Israel, be released. He called them, he gave them pardon. And in extra chapter 1, when you read from verse 1 to 4, now, extra chapter 1, go to extra chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, which I quoted for you a moment ago, the last tear of the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout the kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is Cyrus? Cyrus was a Gentile. Cyrus was not a believer. But God decided to use him to build, it's like a Muslim building a church for God. Are you hearing my stories? If you are hearing me, please say amen. amen. So, when he made this decree, he asked the question, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of this place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with breeze, beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So, pursuant to that in verse 5, the Bible now says they rose up, the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites with them, whose spirit God has raised up to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. In a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of what? Of dishonor. Cyrus was a vessel of honor used by God to build the wall of Jerusalem. God made a statement. And I begin the passage of today. In Genesis chapter 15, when you read from verse 1, I hope you remember this series in Romans chapter 11, verse 23, if I recall Romans 11, verse 23. Can you go back quickly, Romans eleven twenty three? 
Romans 12, 23. Romans 12, 23. Be not conformed to this word, no. That is not what I want. Okay, leave that. I'll come back to that. I wanted to link a scripture from where we are coming from. In Genesis 15, God said to Abraham at the age of 75, I will give you a child. And this child of yours will be like the stars of heaven. And God asked him, can you please come out? Sir, come, come. You are, you are a man. God said, as at that time, this man was 75. And he has no child. But he has Eliezer, a house help, a servant. And God came to him in the night and said, Abraham, I will give you a son. And come, look at the stars of heaven. If you can count the stars, that will be how your children will be. And Abraham said, God, don't let us joke about this thing. I am 75. If you are going to give me a child at 75, and it's going to be like the stars of heaven, where is that child? Is this this Eliza that is going to inherit my blessing, my possession? God said, the child that will come out of your womb, of your loins, is the one I'm talking about. Abraham said, this is becoming a joke. God, please, I want Genesis chapter 15 on the screen, please. God, if that is the case, can you prove it? Can you prove it to me? I'm talking about in the hand of an angry God. You remember our message? Do you remember the message of today? Okay. And God said, ah, Abraham, you are doubting me. No problem. Go and sit down, sir. I will give, nevertheless, I will give you this child. Go to verse 8. And then maybe you let me, verse 8. And he said, oh Lord, where shall I know that I shall inherit it? That is, I have just narrated that. And he said unto him, take me and heifer. God has, after God has told him, and Abraham said, show me, prove to me. And then this, go to verse 13. Verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, know of a charity that thy seed, which I will give you, shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for how many years? For how many years? For how many years? 400 years. As at the time God was talking about, Isaac was not yet born. Are you listening? To because what I'm trying to make you to understand is, where is God? Where are you? How are you? So, God spoke about 400 years over a child that is not yet born. But God does not forget his promise. And the next verse shocked me. And also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge them. And afterwards, they shall come out with a great substance. God said, Egypt shall be a weapon of punishment for the children of Israel for 400 years. After they have punished Israel for 400 years, I, the Lord God, I will punish them. 
Are you following me? Are you following me? As at the time God is talking about, I don't know whether, whether Egypt was even in existence. But let's assume that Egypt was in existence. The king that will reign over Egypt at the question in dispensation, the time in question was not yet born, is in heaven. Hear what God said about that king. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Now it's getting deep and I want you to follow me very well. Why God will create some people as vessels of honor and why God will create some people as vessels of dishonor? Hold it there. I want you to understand who God is. On Tuesday here, I told us something. And I told them I would show them here today. I got a message in my WhatsApp social media platform by one of our senior pastors who sent a message to me of something that happened in the north recently. There was a story of some soldiers who saw a baby, a baby. I don't know the say whether it's a, ba- a boy or a girl, but a baby in the bush, crawling. That baby was crawling and not yet walking. He was crawling like an animal. So the soldier saw this girl, this baby, and wondered, Ah, this baby can be a trap. Is this a human being? Maybe this Boko around people. And they just throw this baby so that they can capture us and kill us. So they were watching the baby. Watching the baby. The baby was crawling. And as the baby was crawling, after a while, the baby crawled and crawled and crawled into a hole. When the baby crawled into a hole, they moved closer. They were not seeing anybody. They were not seeing anybody. So they just felt that how could a baby be here? Was it abandoned? They now moved closer. The moment they moved closer, they saw what shocked their life. They saw a human being which had been discomposed and is still discomposing, but from the loins, from the waist down, was already decomposed, a woman. From that place upward was intact. So the baby crawl, each time the baby crawls in, the baby goes to take the breast. The baby goes to take the breast of somebody who is half decomposed and half intact. Can God do this? What? Ah. So, the power of God to do anything. I will link this message to Isaiah 45. 
So, in Romans chapter 9, verse 17, look at what God said. In Romans chapter 9, verse 17, for the scriptures, the word of God says, concerning Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, even for this same purpose, for these same reasons, have I created you? Have I raised you up? That I might show my power in thee, and that my name may be declared throughout the entire earth. How? God said, I created this man. The reason why I created him is to prove my power in him. The reason why is this. For God to prove his power over failure, God must continue to do something. Each time Failure is about to do anything that is right. God will harden his heart to change his mind. <laughs> I repeat that. Each time, because God created failure as an instrument for destruction, and he must be destroyed. If he does anything that is good, he will escape destruction. God said, I created him for this purpose that he may be destroyed, that the world may know how powerful I am. Eru Olorun ba mi Eru Olorun ba mi o Ohun to ba ti pinu lokan re ko se ni to le daduro So God said Failure is an instrument of destruction In Exodus chapter 14 Exodus chapter 14. When you read from verse 1 to 5, information came unto Pharaoh that the children of Israel has left Egypt and they are on their way to the promised land. Pharaoh said, what? How can you allow them to go? Ah, what is wrong? Where are the soldiers? How can you allow them to go? Get ready. 600 of you, all the horsemen of Egypt, get ready. <laughs> God was the one manipulating things in heaven. Look at what God said. God said, Moses, listen, listen, listen. As we are going, don't go straight. Divert your journey. And camp on so 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 and so a place. When Pharaoh will have heard that you are here, he will conclude in his mind that you are trapped. 
and that you will not be able to go forward. By that time, I will harden his heart and he will follow you. And so, and the Lord spake unto Moses, I want us to read, and I will harden, no, let, let, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, quickly, quickly, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Philhiroth, between Megiddo and the sea, over against Bathsephor, before it shall be before it shall you before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say, give me new living translation. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled, they are trapped. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And in verse 4. And once again, God is now talking about Pharaoh. I will harden his heart and he will chase after you. I have already planned in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his entire army. After this, the Egyptian will know that I am the Lord. Come on. <laughs> you see, if you see some things going on in the world, in your life, and you don't understand, please run to God. Run to the architect of your destiny. Run to the one who created you. You know what interesting thing is this? God redeemed you by power and brought you into his limelight and show his glory over you. You must strive and pray, watching and praying continually that you don't go back to the world. Because why? It is not everybody that is created as a vessel of honor. In your family, there are vessels of dishonor. Anywhere you may be, there may be vessels of honor, there may be vessels of dishonor. Look at what happened. Now, when you read from verse 8 of Exodus chapter 14, and the Lord had the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses of chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen, and all his army, and overthrew them, and come by the sea beside Phil Pharaoh before Bethsavon. In verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their voices, eyes, and behold, the Egyptian marched behind them. And they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And in verse 11, then said Moses, because, and they said unto Moses, is, there, is it because there was no grave in Egypt that you have brought us to this place to come and kill us where we will not have anywhere to bury us? In verse 12. Verse 12. It's not this, go to verse 14. Verse 13. And Moses said, don't worry. The Lord will do what? He will fight for you. And you will hold your peace. And he told them, he told, he told Moses, 
Tell the children of Israel to move forward. I'm the one planning this, this strategy. Because the Egyptians have taught that this is your end. But I will show to the Egyptians this is your beginning. Anyone who thinks your end has come, it is just your beginning. Amen. Except God is no longer God. Except the God that you serve is no longer God. And I know the Lord is God and is your God. So, foolishly, inexplicably, what you can never understand, somebody whose eyes are opened, they began to pursue the children of Israel to the midst of the sea. After they have seen all the wonders that God did in Egypt, that should have been a warning to them. In fact, at a time when they got to the middle of the sea, they said, ah, we better return, oh. The God of Israel is the one fighting for them, oh. Don't let this, at that time, it was already too, too late. Because they were destined. For what? For destruction. Share this out. All those who will not give up, over your life. Enemy pursuing you without a cause. Those who are fighting you unjustly. Those who are saying that they must see your end. If they will not give up, they will pursue you to their own death. They will foolishly pursue you until their memory is extinguished. Vessel of honor and of dishonor in the hands of an angry God. So God said to Moses, after the children of Israel have passed through the dry land, look back, just make sure that no army of the children of, of, of Pharaoh escapes. When all of them were in the middle of the sea, God said, God tear up their heart. And they kept on running. And the hoof of their horses began to be removed. They come on pushing. And when they were in the center of the sea, God said to Moses, return the sea. And all of them were perished. That was Moses. As at the time, God created Pharaoh. How can... You know, this God I can't understand. He created a fellow human being. The reason why he created him is to destroy him. The reason why he created him is to destroy him. So who is God? Isaiah 45. Let's read from verse 8. Isaiah 45, verse 8. Drop down ye heavens from above. And let the sky drop down righteousness. Let the earth open. And let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I the Lord have created it. Verse 9. Woe unto him. Who argue with his maker. The portion strives with the portions of the earth. Shall the clay say to him. That fashion it. What makes that. What makes thou me. Or thou walketh, hath no hands, or thy works, he has no hands. Woe unto him that says unto his father, Why did you bring me to the world? Or to a woman that has brought forth a child. 
Why did you give back to me? Thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker, acts of me. Go on to verse 12. I have made the earth, and I created man on it. This is God speaking now. Even my hand has stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts I commanded them. Verse 13. I have raised him up. This is Cyrus. Verse 14. Just said the Lord, the labor, verse 15. I don't want this. Verily thou art God, a God that hideth that says, O God of Israel, the Savior. Verse 16. They shall be ashamed and confounded. All of them, they shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. I want to ban Verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded. You will not be ashamed or confounded. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Power of God. I come back. Jesus made a statement in John, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse 24. The Son of Man. Goes as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good that that man was never born. Can I have that in New Living Translation? For the Son of Man must die. As it is written in the scriptures long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It will have been far better for that man if he had never been what? Never been born. Now let's go back to work. Jesus is going to be betrayed. There is an instrument for that purpose created by God. And God said, how I wish I didn't create him. But he's been created. Now let me take you back to a very lighter mood. The day Judas Iscariot was born, I guess the family must have been rejoicing. They were celebrating. A child is born to the world. His name is Judas is what? Iscariot. And the mother must have been carrying him. And all of that. And they did naming ceremony on the eighth day. They didn't know the hand, the child in their hand is an instrument of what? Of destruction. How 
And God said, this boy that is called Judas Iscariot, how I wish he was never born. You know why? For every instrument of destruction, there is a woe. That is why you see the woe. God said, woe unto that man who is an instrument of destruction. It would have been better for him not to have been born. Mark 14, 21. The same scripture. The, the Bible talks about Luke. When Jesus was talking about the betrayer, Jesus said, woe to that man. The book of Zechariah. Excuse me, listen to me very carefully. I don't want to escape this. The book of Zechariah. Foretold the activities of Judas Iscariot. Just a moment. And I want you to see how. You see, when we are talking about God in charge of the affairs of men, when God was demonstrating his power over failure, over the vessels of honor, over the vessels of dishonor, and all of that, God also was talking about a man called Judas Iscariot. Who is Judas Iscariot? Look at what God said about Judas Iscariot ever before he was born. Luke chapter 22, 21 to 22, talks about what will happen to a, a man that is a vessel of dishonor. But Zechariah chapter, chapter 11, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 to 13, I need to come back here and give you the scriptures. And please get ready for me. Matthew 27. Matthew 27. After that. Zechariah chapter. What? 11, 12 to 13. Judas is carried. If you see some things. That are children in misery. You can't understand it. Just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Mystery. The Bible says God is a spirit. 
God is not a human being at all. He's a spirit. So, in Zechariah chapter 12, before Judas Iscariot was born, God already has indicated that somebody will be born. And who will collect 30 pieces of silver and place it as a value over Jesus. Judas Iscariot went to the, to the authority. They said, how much will you take if you betray Jesus for us? How much? What if you want to buy Jesus? How much will you pay for him? I said, well, but the value I put on him is 33, 30 pieces of silver. Is that not so? I can sell it, sell him to you, 30 pieces of silver. Okay, we are ready to pay. In Isaiah chapter, Zechariah 11, and he said to them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So the way for my price, 30 pieces of silver. Go to verse 13. And the Lord said unto me, cast it into a potter, a goodly price that I, that I was prized of out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. I will prove it to you in a moment. So, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he sold Jesus for how much? 30 pieces of silver, and he handed Jesus to him. Vessel of destruction that you cannot understand. So, let's see what happens to it. In Matthew 27, Matthew 27, we'll read from verse 1. And then I will be rounding up on that note for today by the special grace of God. And we will continue wherever we meet. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away, delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented of himself. At that time, it was too late. Because Jesus had said, Woe! unto a man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would have been better if he was not born that statement has already been made by the master himself so after he has done all of this come on get back to the scriptures please when he saw that he was condemned repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders Saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? Sit down to that. And what did he do? He cast down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and did what?
Do you remember the day they born him? What were they doing? They were rejoicing. I hope you remember 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, that there is in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. So, to prove Zechariah chapter 11 right, look at what happened. In verse 6, in verse 6, verse 6, God have mercy on me. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It's not lawful for us to put them in the treasury, in the offering bag, because it is the price of what? Of blood. Fulfilling Zachariah's seal. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's feed, spoken about in Zachariah, to bury strangers. So that 30 pieces of silver was used to buy a land where criminals condemned felons are buried. If you go to Israel today, they carved out a place, the sepulchre of Judas Iscariot. Let his land become desolate. Let him have no inheritance. Let the people that are connected to him continually be in pain. There was a cost on the vessel of destruction. So God, in Deuteronomy, as I round up, try now to tell us why he is God. Deuteronomy 32, verse 38. Deuteronomy 32, verse 38. Go to verse 39. See now that I, even I, I am He, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make a life. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Go to verse 40. For I lift up my hands to heaven and I say, I God, I live forever. God, if I wait my glittering sword and my hand takes hold of judgment. I will render vengeance to my enemies and I will reward them that hate me. Come on. <laughs> God said, if I want to be angry and I take my sword, and I'm to take vengeance. You know, God, it's no good that God is angry. God said to Moses, He said, I know, tell your sister, Miriam, 
Does he think that I don't know that she's alive when I appointed you? And she dares to rebel against you? Take her out of the camp. Let leprosy come upon her for seven days. Moses began to beg. Suddenly, another group rebelled against Moses. And God said, ah, ah. Are they not afraid? Don't they see what I did in Egypt? And they are rebelling? Moses said, God, if they die a natural death, you are not God. If you allow them to die, and somebody buries them, then you have not called me. The Bible says, why they are still speaking? The ground open and swallow them alive. That is the God of power. Let me show you a scripture. God said, okay, let me finish reading this. Go to the next verse. I think it's verse 42. I will stop. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall divorce flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges unto the enemy. You know, God said, I, God, I created light. I created darkness. I created good. And I create evil. And I adopt anyone that suits me. So, in Psalms 115, verse 3. Psalms 115, verse 3. The Bible says God is suffering. God is so powerful. It's in the heavens. And he does as he pleases. That nobody dares query him. That is why you see a human being. Half decayed. Half human being. And meek. Meek. Is still coming out. Koseni to le da duro Koseni to le it will have been neater if I round this aspect of it so that I can go to the next phase of this message. Let me round it up. Please give me five minutes. Do you remember a person called Paul? Do you remember Paul? Apostle Paul. I want to use him to round up today's message under five minutes. Who is Paul? Paul was the one that made the statement, he doesn't know God. Abi, that we are talking about. Is that not so? He said, I don't know God. I want to know him. 
And I can understand why Paul came to that conclusion that, ah, I don't know him. So what happened? In Acts chapter 7, from verse 55 to verse 60, Acts chapter 7, from verse 55 to verse 60, Suddenly, Stephen saw God while he was preaching, as I'm preaching to you now. And he said, I saw the heavens opened, and the Son of God sitting on the right hand side. Ah! They said, ah, What are you saying? You said you saw heaven? And they took stones. And pa, 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 pa. And they stole him to death. Their commander-in-chief was standing, giving them the commandment. Giving them the command. And his name is Apostle Paul. So they stone Stephen to death. So in Acts chapter 8, one of the few verses, quickly, let's, from verse 1 to 3. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. And Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And why? And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him in verse 3. And for sure, he made a havoc of the church. Killing people that were gathered together in the church who were worshipping God without offense. That was what Apostle Paul did. So, and for sure, he made havoc of the church. Entry to every house. And any men and women, women were of a weaker vessel. But you see a man who will still be doing gala, 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 gala. whether you are a man or you are a woman, Apostle Paul did not care. So he was holding all of them to prison. And in verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And in verse chapter 9, chapter 9, Apostle Paul was not satisfied. Verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1, quickly. And so, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Ah, you don't understand. I don't understand God. I don't understand God. How can you be killing the disciples of God? You enter the church. You arrested them. You kill women and men. A man called Paul. And he went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, as he journeyed, he encountered God. 
Can I have verse 8? Let's move quickly because I, I, I promise another five minutes. And Saul arose from his earth. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9. And he was there three days and all of that. Verse 10. Quickly for me. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias. He said, behold, I am here, Lord. And God said to him, the Lord said to him, Arise, go unto the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And I have seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard of this terrible man. How much evil he has done to your church at Jerusalem. Look at what God said. And he has authority from the chief priest to go and do the wrecks of the work that he has been doing. Verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. He is a chosen vessel. I don't understand God. You know, I, I own up at the beginning. Because as we are searching God together, trying to find out whom this God we are serving, how terrible, how good, how kind, how loving, how faithful, dependable, wonderful, how reliable he is, and how consuming fire he can be. And God said, yes, I understand. It's a chosen vessel of honor. How can he be a chosen vessel of honor? How can he? Is a chosen vessel of honor to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Wow! Hear what Paul said. Hear what Paul said himself. Galatians chapter 1. Can I have us 14 and 15? That is where we are going to end. Galatians 1. Read, let's go to verse 13. Look at what Paul said. But his own testimony. He said, For you have heard of my conversation in the time past, in the Jewish religion, how that without measure I destroyed the church of God. And do what? <laughs> verse 14. I profited in the Jewish religion by my, above my equals in my own nation. Be more exceedingly serious for the traditions of my fathers. But hear this. But when, when it pleased God. Go and read the open heavens of today. The appointed time. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. So when Apostle Paul put his life on two sides of the scale, he came to the conclusion in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 to verse 14, I want to know God. This God 
who had had mercy on me, despite all that I have done, I need to know him. You know why? Two things will happen to this message. Number one, your case is not finished. Number two, God has given you another chance. Number three, you can choose, as I have summarized the, the entire thing I've talking to you since, you can choose on which vessel you will be. Whether a vessel of honor or a vessel of what? Of dishonor. If God, if God created you a vessel of dishonor, and you hear this message, you can talk to God and say, God, uh -uh, you are not a wicked God. You can change me. You can change me. You know, you know what happened? Sorry to keep on dragging you. When God said to Judas Iscariot, he said, you are a vessel of destruction. When Jesus was speaking, he said, somebody will betray me. And the, the disciples said, ah, ah. Ah, who will do it amongst us? And Jesus made a statement. He said, the person who is dinging his hand in, this, in the same plate with me. In, I think in Luke version, Judas is carried Now asks a question himself. He said, who is it? He said, thou speakest. is you. At that time, he will have repented. Rise up on your feet. Lift up your voice and go say, Father, don't let me be a vessel of destruction. Don't let me be. Don't let me be. I don't know whether you should pray or... Please, don't let me be a vessel of destruction. 